Hello and welcome to a Thursday, December 29th edition of the Sports Ethos NBA DFS Today podcast. As always, I'm your host, Harris Kermani, and today we have a six-game slate set up for this Thursday evening. Getting really, really close to that New Year's, and we've got a couple of exciting matchups on here, including one that I think I always circle every time I get a chance to take a look at it. But before we get into that, as always, if you haven't had a chance to get yourself subscribed onto the Sports Ethos DFS Pass, you need to absolutely get yourself on it right away. SportsEthos.com, the DFS Pass gives you access to not only great tools such as the live injury report, all of the articles, as well as that direct access to our very, very large and successful lineup of DFS pros on our Discord channel. All of it together just gives incredible value. And for those who follow us on Twitter, you get to see all of our wins. You get to see the lineups that clearly are coming through for our listeners and our subscribers. So get yourself on there, join our Discord, join the conversation, and let's take down tournaments together. With this slate today, six games, starting off with what I'm going to say is the matchup that I am most heavily targeting. We got the Oklahoma City Thunder taking on the Charlotte Hornets at home. A pick'em game at the moment with the Hornets favored to win by just one point, a 238 and a half game total for this one. So definitely one of the higher ones that we've seen in the entire year. And as far as opportunities to be able to go ahead and find value, there is so much to like on this one. First and foremost, as far as injuries are concerned, we do know that uh, Pokushevsky was given a six to eight week timeline on his tibial plateau fracture in his left leg so that's really unfortunate news it looks like it is going to be you know decently long term for him and that's going to change around a couple of things as far as the rotation is concerned and we are going to talk about that today otherwise jeremiah robinson earl is sitting out and that's pretty much it as far as the major rotation pieces are concerned for the oklahoma city thunder from the charlotte side of things we have Kelly Oubre, who is listed doubtful with his hand injury continuing. He missed out on the last game as well, and we saw that there was you know, a good bit of usage to go around with the rest. Uh, otherwise, as far as the rest of the team is concerned, Dennis Smith Jr. is questionable, Cody Martin's out, and Nick Richards is also sitting at questionable at the moment. But as far as key guys to target over here, I feel like I don't do it often enough just given how lineups are potentially working out for me or other options being available but today Shea Gilgis Alexander is going to be my favorite stud I'm going to go ahead and throw it out there now of the 10,000 plus guys and that includes Luca, who's coming up and I know I faded him last game he dropped 110 DK points I'm gonna regret it I just have to take it on the chin it's just what it is but Shea in this matchup is an absolute lock for me 10,100 continues to be just monstrous throughout the season. Out of the last five games that he's played, four of them have been 52 and above as far as DK points are concerned. So clearly the value is there in his salary. And of course, Charlotte is a team that you can always target, not only for its pace, but also for the fact that Charlotte at home is that much peskier. And you just know that this game is not going to be one of those that's going to go in one way or the other. I expect it to go deeper. I expect it to be a high-scoring game. And I know game scripting is one of those things that you always want to avoid. But we can look at pace of play. And in this kind of a matchup, Shea is 
in a position where he could easily be a 5.5 to 6x guy, which as your top stud is where you want to be able to start your lineup out there. Beyond that, a couple of the ancillary pieces do come into play as well. With uh, Pogoshevsky's injury, we did see Mike Muscala get that opportunity to be able to get not only a couple more minutes, be that little bit more aggressive on offense, drop 35 DK points in the last game, and sitting at only 3,400, I like that opportunity for him to be that value play for me. A center, especially tonight, there aren't that many centers that I'm super enamored with, so I've been finding him coming into quite a bit of my lineups to be able to be that dart throw that I feel pretty confident with. And similarly with Jalen Williams as well. At 5,000, not necessarily the sexiest of picks out there, but he has hit 31 plus DK points in two of his last four games, consistently getting 30 plus minutes now, and has had 12 field goal attempts in three of those four games as well. So altogether, just a good opportunity for him to keep racking up those rebounding numbers, which have been there, to go along with a pretty solid string of double-digit scoring efforts. So lots of opportunity for him to continue to be an offensive option for them. At 5,000, I like his overall kind of fantasy lineup more so than someone like a Lou Dort, who even though could potentially be getting more field goal attempts, he just won't have the kind of rounded stat line that we've been seeing with Jalen Williams. And of course, OKC has all the reason to continue to work their rookies and their uh, sophomores as much as possible. So it's just where they're going at this point. Running it back on the Charlotte side, very much same there. I'm actually going to say that LaMelo Ball is probably one area that I am actually finding myself avoiding in the lineups that I'm making. Not to say that he hasn't been solid, far from it. Four out of the last five games, he's been sitting at 50 plus DK points with a ceiling game of 63.75 that he had against the Clippers. He's getting his minutes up there now very consistently. Four straight game now of 35 plus minutes. So it is not a bad pick by any means. And if you can try and fit two guards in there, it could very well be a useful and fruitful tactic for you. But I'm going to be talking about a couple of guards that I'm going to be liking more for their price tag and their ceiling, in my opinion. And Shea, to me, is already a lock. He's one of my pillar plays. So that kind of leaves me in a position where I'm really just looking at one to two other kind of major guards. And if there's ones that I like more, which I will speak about, I end up going with them more. But LaMelo is absolutely going to be a solid pick and probably a pretty heavily owned one given the matchup as well. So it is a bit contrarian to not take him. But hey, if you're not being a little risky in GPP to try to take down those tournaments, what else are you going to do? That being said, I do like the ancillary pieces that are there on the Charlotte Hornets for this matchup. Assuming that Kelly Oubre is out for the game, PJ Washington at 5,300 definitely just comes to the top of my list as far as the pieces that I do like from an offensive perspective. We know that PJ is going to get his shots, and the more that he gets involved with the offense, the rest of his ancillary stats come with that as well. Uh, he's had two great games out of the last three at his price tag of 5300 his floor is pretty well secure hasn't had less than 13 field goal attempts in his last three games and has been shooting it quite well at uh, over 50 percent in that time as well alongside the fact that he's hit nine threes in that time so it's just a good opportunity for him to continue to be that offensive option for a team that is absolutely going to need it his price tag is in play for me and i like him for his price tag more so than I like Rogier at 7,300, even though I expect him to also be pretty involved in how things are going to go with uh, his shot attempts continuing to be likely the most, if not second most, 
at worst as far as Charlotte is concerned, but it's just his efficiency and overall lack of ancillary stats that always scare me off a little bit from taking him, but 7,300 is the worst price tag. And the fact that he has that small forward eligibility, which is still that kind of odd wrinkle for a guy that you can get in there, he could fit into your lineup, but we'll be talking about a couple of those other ones as we go on. The second matchup that I am gonna be looking at pretty closely today is that Cleveland and Indiana matchup as well. A 223 game total, so not necessarily the highest one out there. Indiana at home, actually uh, the underdog here by five points. So I have to take a look at how that ends up working out. But this is where that talk of those guards that I feel have higher ceilings than a 9,700 Lamelo ball comes in. And that starts with Donovan Mitchell. At 8,600, he is not only in a great position to absolutely tear that salary apart, but he's actually on a pretty decent drop as far as that price tag is concerned, given the fact that he's had two games where he's had less than stellar performances. And honestly, both of those could have easily gone a different way, but he had an uncharacteristically bad string of shooting games, four of 16 against the Raptors and five of 16 in the next game against Brooklyn. And you can be sure that he's gonna be looking to turn that around here in a matchup where as a shooting guard, He's going to get a lot more opportunities to be able to take on potentially a Buddy Heald on defense, potentially one of the rookies in Mathurin or Nemhard. Just a lot more room for him to be able to operate versus two peskier defensive teams that he faced off first time around. And the wrinkle to it all is that Tyrese Halliburton on the other side is questionable. So if that is also one of those things where he gets downgraded to being out, there's just so many opportunities for Donovan Mitchell to just roam around and be able to get his numbers. And we know he gets his numbers in a hurry. This entire season, he's been one of the better points per game, uh, points per minute uh, producers as far as DFS is concerned. So for him to be able to get to you know, 34, 35 minutes and have that opportunity against weaker defenders than he's been facing for the last couple of games, I really like that opportunity. And the same thing goes for Darius Garland. It's much in the same kind of um, same kind of vein. He's sitting at 8,000. He's coming off a monster game against Brooklyn, that one where they uh, really just needed him to be able to keep them into it. But if I'm choosing between the two, I will pretty much always end up finding myself going with Donovan Mitchell, just given the higher usage rate and just altogether ball dominant capabilities that he has over someone like a Darius Garland who has found himself being that little bit more of a facilitator this year versus uh, pure offense all the way through as far as Donovan Mitchell's concerned. So that's where I'd be looking at as far as Cleveland's concerned. On the Indiana side, really, it's it comes down to whether uh, Halliburton's out or not. So I don't necessarily like him for his 9,200, so I'm not going to be taking him there. But if he is, in fact, not going to be in that game, then Buddy Heal at 6,100 is definitely an area that I am going to be looking at as well. Not only is he coming off himself a great shooting game, and if you know Buddy Heal, you know that he's the kind of guy who just gets on streaks. We saw this earlier in the season as well, but this entire month of December has been just scorching hot for him as far as his field goal percentage is concerned and his three-point attempts. He is at this point now hit 17 threes in his last three games at this point. So he's just on an absolute tear. And if Tyrese Halliburton's not there either, that's just going to be more opportunities for him to be that ball dominant handler because you're going to have either a combination of Nemhard, McConnell, those guys kind of be really just trying to get him into as many spots as possible to be able to jack up as many shots because without him going off, they're gonna have absolutely no chance in terms of being able to stay uh, in this game. So at 6,100, he's my 
uh, asterisk pick if uh, Tyrese Halliburton's out. And again, that small forward eligibility is always something I like from my guards, especially ones that I think will have pretty good usage as well, given that it's usually outside of the stars in the league, a position that you're often stuck with ancillary guys there. So not as exciting on regular days. On a day where uh, Halliburton could be out, I do like Buddy Heald at his price is 6100 now, the good thing is with those first two matchups being where I am really finding a lot of my heavy exposure, these kind of mid matchups here before we get to uh, some of the ones near the end of the slate, the Clippers and Boston one and the Memphis and Toronto one, I'm actually finding that I'm having less exposure just based on the lineups that's set up here. Uh, beyond the fact that uh, the Clippers-Boston game at 228 is probably going to be the best, you know, game of the ones that are happening here especially given that the Clippers are going to be coming in fully healthy over here but it does mean that it does lower a little bit of the upside as far as each individual player is concerned between Kawhi Leonard and Paul George I do prefer Paul George from a regular season perspective and also just the perspective that he's clearly uh, on a healthier path and also uh, on a uh, more productive path at the moment for the last couple of games uh, he is, in the last four out of five games, had 42 or better DK points, reaching as high as 62.5 in that Detroit game. And the best part is his minutes total continue to be at a very solid clip as well. Given the fact that this is going to be a big game, Boston at home is obviously just absolutely monstrous. If the Clippers are to have any chance of being able to survive in this game, it's going to need Paul George to do his thing. And at 8400 which is a pretty decent price drop, in fact, the cheapest his price has been uh, this entire season, I just think it's a great spot to be able to go ahead and take a gamble on a Paul George. He's in a tough defensive matchup over here. Obviously, Boston is incredibly pesky on the perimeter, whether they're going to be throwing uh, Marcus Smart on him, whether they're going to be throwing Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, depending on how things end up going. But just Boston is so tough to be able to break down on a defensive perspective that Paul George is going to be shooting a lot more from the perimeter. He's going to need that hot shooting to continue if the Clippers are to have any chance of trying to keep up with that spread and have this not become a no-blowout. But again, I just always try to avoid the game scripting side of things, which is why on the Boston side, uh, there are, you know, again, studs. We've talked about Shea continues from the first game being my favorite stud on there. But my second favorite stud, as in, you know, we're talking 10,000 and above top money, is going to be Jason Tatum on this matchup. One, just purely for the fact that Tatum is himself just on an absolute heater at this moment. Uh, it's clear that the MVP race has become a two-horse race as it stands between both Jokic and Tatum. And with Jokic just reaching just unstoppable levels of efficiency and performance, Tatum has done his best to be able to go ahead and stay with that. And I feel as much as narratives are a thing, Tatum is clearly trying to gun for his MVP. And he put up just little 16 three-point attempts in that last game against Houston. So he has got the greenest of green lights at the moment at home against the Clippers big matchup over here more of an opportunity for him to go ahead and get his name back in the spotlight and also make up for the fact that he actually had a pretty terrible shooting night the last time he played the Clippers 7 of 20 in that game still ended up with 43 DK points so clearly the floor is quite secure for a guy who has 10,300 but is regularly able to get to 60 that's the kind of things you want from your studs. So if uh, Shea is my favorite guy on the night here, Tatum is going to be my second. And that's pretty much kind of the major area of Boston that I am targeting. I'm going to be avoiding those uh, mid-tier guys as far as Boston's concerned, as much as I usually like Marcus Smart. Not so much in, uh, in this kind of a matchup, and especially not with how Tatum is really taking on that uh, 
main role as far as field goal attempts are concerned. So it just lowers the ceiling a little bit more, and I always like him more than Jalen Brown, just given how much more involved he is overall in the offense. Going on to the second game that I'm also avoiding, although I'll be watching it live, Memphis taking on Toronto over here. Now, where I get a little bit kind of iffy about this matchup is one, uh, John Morant absolutely just cooks the Raptors. It's it's consistently happened, and it's it's one of those scenarios where I'm afraid that he'll cook us, and then we'll just be in a point where he's not going to necessarily be playing as much here, despite the fact that he is getting his minutes in that kind of mid-30s throughout the season. But where I have been a little bit iffy as far as Jaw is concerned is in games where it gets even a little bit out of hand. Coaches are very quick to be able to go ahead and, and pull him and, and rest them. They're clearly focused on something uh, larger as far as Memphis is concerned. Obviously, they feel they should be in the running for a championship, whether that's true or not. But we saw that in the Phoenix game, 31 minutes in that one. Didn't have a great shooting night. Still ended up on 49 DK points just because of the fact that he is taking a lot more threes at this moment, which despite him not making all that many, he's only made five in the last two games out of 20 attempts. But altogether, just getting to the rim like he always does, will always get to his free throw attempts. Anywhere between eight to nine is a regular occurrence on uh, on John Morant. And I expect, especially today with the Raptors struggling on the interior pretty much this entire season, I expect Jaw is going to be operating a lot in the paint over here. So at 10,000, to me, he doesn't have the same kind of ceiling as uh, the other kind of 10,000 studs in Tatum and Shea that we spoke about, but he is probably more of a kind of solid base. You know that he's going to be somewhere around 50 every game just from the usage he gets, and I expect tonight to be not that much different. But really, none of the prices are super exciting to me as far as the Memphis side is concerned, nor is that the case with the uh, with the Toronto side either, except I am waiting on the Fred Van Vliet news to really uh, finalize itself. We know that he was facing back spasms in the last game. I feel like I've made a curse for myself that's legit now. Every time uh, we put out a podcast, I say that this is my favorite guy on the night. We use his picture as the, you know, as the portrait for that entire podcast. It was Fred Van Viet last game, and of course he got injured as well. So it's just become a rotating trend. So I'm almost afraid to say that uh, guy's my favorite on the night. So if Shea gets injured, I'm sorry OKC fans, and I'm sorry guys who take Shea tonight, but you can put that on me. But with Fred Van Viet questionable on this game, we'll have to see if he actually gets himself onto the floor. But if that's not the case, where I'm actually liking myself outside of obviously the regular uh, regular pieces in uh, Scotty Barnes and uh, and potentially a Siakam is Gary Trent, who had a couple of games off as far as his injury was concerned. He had missed four straight games, and he just needed to get honestly himself back into the groove. And he needed a good shooting game, which he did get against the LA Clippers. Played 30 minutes in that one, but his has seen his price drop again back into that sub 5,000 category, which is where I do start to like him because I think he has a pretty solid floor in the high 20s to low 30s when he is playing normally and we've seen that kind of throughout the season any of the games that he's got his 30 minutes he's always been around that 30 mark which to me is a great spot to be able to take a guy that's at 5,000 especially in a slate where him as a, a shooting guard small forward one allows you to fit him into a couple of different areas of lineups I feel that it's a pr- it's pretty safe to be able to go ahead and take him and he's getting his minutes back to normal uh, first game he was limited got up to 30 minutes in the last game against the Clippers I expect he's going to be in the same range today and perhaps even asked to play a couple of extra ones if Van Vliet is in fact out 
And that just comes to the second caveat. If Van Vliet is in fact out, then Malachi Flynn definitely becomes a guy to uh, look at today as well. Now, 3900 is a pretty uh, decent price increase from his bargain barrel bottom 3000 3100 that he'd been sitting out for a while. But Malachi has shown that he's actually basically increasing confidence as games are going on. You can see that Nick Nurse is a little bit more ready to be able to go ahead and throw him into lineups. He actually helped close out the game uh, against the Clippers as well, even though they obviously didn't win that one. But regardless, he's going to be getting more minutes. He's going to be getting the opportunity to run that offense a little bit more. And at 3,900, not necessarily the sexiest to pick because I don't think he has you know the mile-high ceiling or anything. But a game where he could get 20 to 25 is definitely on the cards here as far as DK points are concerned. So another rock-solid pick to be able to look at if we are getting into really those guys to round out your lineup now that you've gone ahead and taken those uh, studs and mid-tier guys where you're really looking for that um, that big point performance. But now, the last real game that I've been uh, targeting, because I'll, I'll talk about the Houston and uh, Dallas game shortly there. Not a huge fan of that game as far as exposure is concerned, but New York-San Antonio is one where I do think there are opportunities to be able to take a lot of these uh, mid-tier guys, especially in that 5,000 range, that do have a lot of opportunity to do well. We know that RJ Barrett for the New York Knicks is going to be out for this game and could be out for at least a week from what we hear. The other one is Jalen Brunson, who is currently questionable, and if he does end up uh, missing the game as he did the last one, then we're going to see Emmanuel quickly, once again, take over those point guard duties. And we saw him do a wonderful job in that Dallas game, which, regardless of how it ended out, Dallas playing the game of a lifetime, probably the game of the regular season in the last couple of years at this point, but quickly ended up playing 51 minutes in that overtime game, which is pretty much the whole game, barring a couple of minutes over there, ended up with 15 assists. And even though he had a pretty rocky shooting night, five of 21 all together, only one of 10 from the three-point line, ended up with 42.75 DK points. And I am sure that he is going to be incredibly highly owned if Jalen Brunson does find himself sitting out. And in fact, even if he isn't, in general, I think Quickly's minutes are starting to go up there. But just a good opportunity for you to be able to take that shooting guard guy who's going to be a primary ball handler if Jalen Brunson's out. And then secondly, I feel like I can tap my back a little bit on this, is Mitchell Robinson, who ended up with 47 DK points after that uh, last Dallas Mavericks game, had bigged uh, his uh, opportunity in that one as well, and I believe that stays the same in the San Antonio game as well, where you have the chance to be able to take on a front court guy, especially from the San Antonio side of things where they're going to be playing a lot more of that. You're going to get Mitchell Robinson to have more opportunities to be able to get his rebounds and those field goal attempts are just slowly but surely going up and he's getting fouled a lot more on the inside as well. Now I'm not expecting him to end up at 20 and 16 as he had the last game, but at 5,400, you only really need a low to mid 30 performance as far as DK points are concerned for him to be well worth it. And given the fact that he's had two games now where he's at 45 and 47, uh, playing consistently 29 to 30 minutes, if not more, depending on what the matchup requires, He's a guy that's in play for me. I, I talked about it earlier. There aren't too many centers that I am you know, super enamored with. We spoke about Mike Muscala earlier, but really the other one that I'm looking at is Mitchell Robinson. So it is going to be an area that I am looking to save a little bit of money. I see a little bit of upside and um, I'm looking to take advantage of that as well. And that upside mid-tier price is really where I'm looking at with the uh, San Antonio Spurs as well. And it's really just with Jeremy Sohan. 4,800 now has had two 
or I'd say three excellent performances out of his last four games now. But what is most exciting is the fact that his minutes have been pretty much secured now at about 30 a night. And in those 30 minutes, he's well involved in the offense, has gotten 14 or more shots in three of those last four games, and altogether just looks like he is taking that next step as far as confidence is concerned, not only in the rotation for the uh, San Antonio Spurs, but altogether, they just really are starting to like him as that uh, power forward that can be you know, something that they can actually work and develop. So he's starting to really, really impact across the board in many ways. His blocks, he's gotten four blocks in the last three games altogether. He's getting about a steal a game as well. So those stocks are starting to ramp up as well. And really, that just makes it a great opportunity for him to continue on here. This is going to be uh, one of the lower scoring games of the night as far as pace is concerned. But still, I expect Sohan to continue to be involved in this offense. And given the fact that Devin Vassell is going to be out for this game with the, with a knee injury, they're going to be needing more offense there. It's clearly coming from Sohan. Uh, I like him more than Keldon Johnson for 7,100. I, I actually think Keldon's going to be something that I end up fading altogether. He's just far too inconsistent for my liking as far as fantasy is concerned. He's super dependent on his shot going down and he just has too many games where he's boom or bust as far as field goal percentage is concerned. And if that's not going, his ancillary stats are very much in the same kind of scenario as a Terry Rozier. So to me, they're similar kind of players in terms of taking them on a DraftKings perspective, sitting at that same 7,100, 7,300 price range, all very shot dependent, all incredibly based around how much they can handle the ball and how important they can be in terms of a closer game. I just find that there's too much risk to be able to take in that. You can definitely get them in a couple of lineups there just in case they happen to pop off on one of those nights and you catch them on the right one. But it's just not the way that uh, I like building around my lineups there. And uh, as a result of that, he's probably in the lineups I've made and I'd say about 5% exposure that I've seen so far between both uh, Rozier and uh, Keldon Johnson. So yeah, definitely not an area that I've been targeting super heavy or anything like that. And finally, just to close off the Houston-Dallas game, 226 points total that we're looking at on this one here, and Dallas favored to win by 10. Not looking too much into that, but again, 226, not my favorite matchup. It is the last game of the night there, so I may end up having a little bit of exposure just here and there to try and mitigate the potential risk. And I know I'll probably be crucified for the fact that I'm saying fade Luka, but 12,000 on this matchup where I'm liking some of these other options there. As I said, the ceiling is there. Luca needs a game where he just needs to relax a little bit. Obviously, he has been on a monstrous tear. Like, it's, it's, it's crazy. It's Jokic-like in the last four games that he's played. 57, 82, 60, 110. At no point will I ever uh, get unhappy with someone for saying that they want to take Luka Doncic on a given night. But... Given the other options, given the six-game slate, it's not where my lineups are, are leaning. I might have a couple of a couple of them here and there just to get a little bit of exposure to some Luka Magic, see if it can rub off on some of the rest of my lineups. But uh, really the only guy that I've been targeting between the two teams over here has been Jalen Green consistently. It's just one of those where I like his price tag. I like that he keeps sitting in that 6,000 range there. Uh, he's been doing pretty well uh, for me in the last uh, four games now, 35 uh, 41 41 as far as DK points are concerned so even if he's not setting the world on fire I just know what I can get from him pretty consistently so even though Kevin Porter has been the one who can kind of have those you know, really big stealing games it comes down to how your how your lineups are working out there so I find myself just going a lot more with uh, a Jalen Green who I 
like in kind of the same vein as a Donovan Mitchell, but to a lesser degree. He just has that capability to be a consistent guy who can give you those ceiling games where he gets into the 40s as well. And as long as he sits in that 6,000 price range, it just continues to be a good spot for me to kind of consistently target. So that's where I'll be going with it. And that's where I am going to be stopping for the matchups. But before we head out, as always, we are going to be looking into the Thrive Fantasy side of things. And there are a number of juicy props that I am looking at today. So first and foremost, and this is where that whole caveat comes in, if Fred Van Vliet is questionable with his back, if he ends up not playing, regardless, I like the Scotty Barnes one at uh, 10.5 total for his rebounds and assists. Just given the fact that we know how the Grizzlies like to shoot from the perimeter, we know that they like to just get a lot of shots up in general, even if they're not necessarily the most efficient team, they win on their um, on their defense, really. 10.5 rebounds and assists combined. I expect Scotty to be able to hit that. I do think he'll have a pretty decent rebounding total on the night over here. He's been sitting at that 6-7 to seven pretty consistently, so he really just needs about 3-4 to four dimes to be able to get that, and I, I don't see why not, especially if Fred Van Vliet is out, so I like that one to be able to get you a nice 105 points. And then secondly, the LaMelo Ball one. And this again goes back to me liking some of these uh, uh, these other guys on there. LaMelo points and rebounds, 30 and a half. I'm actually going to say taking the under on that one. Uh, if he had the assists in there instead of rebounds, I might be more inclined to take that. I don't think he's going to get too many rebounds in this matchup, just given how things are are folding out as far as who is going to be there in the um, in the interior and I expect that uh, someone like PJ is going to be taking a good bit more of the boards today 30 and a half not too confident on the points there the under on that 100 points and that gives you a solid base to start as far as your Thrive Fantasy is concerned but that brings us to the end of the pod today you can find me on Twitter at HAK underscore devil, where you can tell me whether I'm crazy for looking to not take Luca nearly as often as I should. Uh, I swear I'll have him in a lineup or two, but Shea and Tatum are where I'm looking at. Uh, we'll post uh, a couple of results out there. Let's see how things end up as far as the night is concerned. But just plugging it again, get yourself onto sportsethos.com, subscribe yourself to that DFS pass, jump on our Discord, ask our pros all the way to lock to see how things shape out, how things change as far as injuries are concerned, as far as potential rotations are concerned, and get yourself in the best position to be able to take down as many tournaments as you can throughout the season. Have yourselves a wonderful night. Have yourselves a wonderful new year because I'll be catching you after that one. And we will speak soon. Let's take down some of these tournaments and end 2022 on a high.